you're listening to the Commercial Finance Podcast by Lee Chandler, where we discuss industry insights, tips about lending, capital finance, business acquisitions. The worst investment you can have is cash. Real estate acquisitions. Your financial advice depends on who you are. And everything in between. This is the Commercial Finance Podcast. Welcome back to the Lee Chandler Commercial Finance Podcast. I am your host, Leland Baptist. And today we're going to talk about the perspective of an investor, primarily in reference to what is going on right now in our market. All right. So before we dive into that, a few things we're going to cover. But before we dive into it, let's get a few moments from our sponsors. All right, so welcome back. Let's go ahead and get it started. So there are a few things that I want to cover uh, with you all today, and we're going to take the lens of a, of a investor because you are a investor, okay? So it's really just six things that are happening in the market that you want to pay close attention to. The first thing is Airbnb. The second, the Federal Reserve. The third was what I call the dip. The fourth. COVID, that's COVID. Um, the fifth is going to be the BBB. And finally, but not least, but probably most important, it boils down to small business owners. Okay. So let's get started. All right. So recently, what has been floating, floating around is that the CEO of Airbnb says, hey, we are having longer term stays. And that is because we have so many people who are quote unquote, having flexi work or flex work agreements. So let's dive into this, okay? Because there's actually a lot of fluff that we wanna cut through. So whether you uh, own shares of Airbnb or you don't, um, or you, whether you're just a uh, property owner or real estate investor, or maybe you're looking at doing both, right? Here's what you need to be aware of. So when Airbnb says that they're having long-term stays, what does that mean? It means that they have noticed that over the past mm, three months, they've had an increase of 84%, 84% increase of people uh, basically staying at Airbnbs for uh, months at a time. Okay. Now the CEO is saying, hey, this, this honestly has, has everything to do with people who are um, executives who are able to travel for work and they're choosing to work from remote locations. Now, although that would seem amazing and it sounds like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But then you, but then you think about it, you're like, wait a second, there aren't that many traveling executives in the United States. And you're right, there, there aren't. Okay. Um, so what's actually happening? What is actually happening here is as the housing market is getting more competitive, as it's more competitive to purchase property, as it is more competitive for people to lease property, right? So a while back, uh, a, a survey was given, and I wanna say uh, at, at, at a certain rate in the US, 
in certain markets, of course, uh, hedge funds and equity groups are purchasing up investment real estate for rentals. Okay, so that means many people who are looking looking to rent or lease a place, they have to go through the uh, the qualifications for those for those rentals, right? So things such as uh, credit checks, um, income checks, background checks, right? Um, you're gonna have you're, you can go through a very a very strenuous uh, strenuous process in doing that, right? If you're someone who's maybe who's probably trying to buy your home for the first time, and you have prices that are rising up, down payment qualifications rising, uh, background checks, work history, that's still a process process you have to go through. But anyone who has ever used Airbnb, and let's say you're traveling to Houston this weekend, and you're on, you know, on the way to boarding your plane, you could literally hop on the Airbnb app on your phone, as long as you've stayed with them before, uh, you already have an account, you can create your account, or excuse me, you can log in, and you can find Airbnbs available for that night, or for that weekend, or for that week, or for that month, and you can actually stay there. And oftentimes, the longer you stay, the cheaper the rate will be. Okay, because Airbnb charges you a rate uh, that is basically per night. What does that mean, though? What does that mean? Like, what does that mean? It means that for some people, it might be easier. It's, it's, it's easier for them to basically buddy up with, with a friend or maybe with their family and pay to stay at an Airbnb months at a time, maybe six months, maybe even a year at a time at a higher rate then instead of them having to go through the competitive process and leasing a property. I know that sounds crazy, but it makes perfect sense. Why? Because when you when you access Airbnb and when you choose to stay at a bed and breakfast, because that's what it is, right? That's what the BNB stands for in, in Airbnb. When you choose to stay at a, at a bed and breakfast, they don't do extensive background checks. They don't do extent. They don't. Even do, they don't even do credit checks. Okay. If something breaks, Airbnb and their host, they have insurance where uh, Airbnb will basically, well, through an insurance company, they will fix whatever is broken. If you were to lease that same property from the homeowner directly, and something were to end up breaking, uh, there's going to be small claims court, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The homeowner more than likely is going to want to put the blame on you as the tenant. And there's going to be an entire Rick and Moreau on what that takes and contractors, estimates, all that stuff. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what is happening right now. So yes, I would expect that more and more people will begin to live uh, inside of various Airbnbs because there is a smaller or lower barrier to entry. You basically just have to pay the fee. The fee and yeah, the fee might be higher than typical rent, but there's no deposit. There's no two months rent, right, up front. Uh, there's no inspection clause, all that stuff. You're able, you're able to stay. You can still stay within a certain town if you wanted to. And really, no one would know except for you. So that's the first thing. So keep your eye, on, eye out on that. I expect for that to steadily increase. Um, if you're a property owner, this might mean that this is an opportunity for you to go ahead and, you know, increase your Airbnbs as well. I will caution everyone that at some point, one thing that can change all this is regulation. And if someone says that for certain things to qualify for certain programs, if someone has to be a resident uh, for at least 12 months consistently, 
of a place that could be an issue. All right. So there's been a lot of talk about our Federal Reserve. And so in this segment, what we're talking about or want to look deeply into is the new ruling. So right now, the Fed has approved that it's going to ban its officials from trading stocks, bonds, and also cryptocurrencies. So what's pretty interesting is anyone who knows, you know, macroeconomics, you know that the Federal Reserve um, tends to... I'm going to say manipulate uh, different assets so that it can control inflation. All right. They're going to use a different word than manipulate, but it is what it is. Okay. So the Federal Reserve um, uses different assets to slow or speed up inflation uh, along with the combination of them increasing or decreasing rates, all of which rates that they make up out of thin air. Okay. So what does this mean? This means that if the Federal Reserve is banning its officials from trading stocks, which is pretty good, it's kind of like inside, inside of trading, right? Um, they're, they're banning them from uh, trading bonds, okay? And they're banning their officials from trading cryptocurrencies. It lets us know that, you know, we all knew that they were, that uh, the stock market and bonds were, were already a, a player in what they're doing. But this lets us know, lets us know that they're also using cryptocurrencies. Now, here's the thing. If you think about Bitcoin, for example, we categorize it as a cryptocurrency. And because, because Bitcoin has a limited supply and a growing population, it's not a true currency. It's actually more of a, of a collector's item. All right. Why is that? Well, because um, let's say one person owned all of Bitcoin. There will be no monetary exchange for Bitcoin if one person owned all of it, right? Its value comes from it being able to be traded back and forth from other people or numerous people, right? That's kind of how currencies work. The other thing is that currencies have to be accepted throughout different areas, which leads me to this next part. If you do research, you go to google.com and on the search bar, you type, you'll type in Fed, F-E-D, coin, C-O-I-N. Okay, you type in Fed coin. What you'll find out is that the United States government is producing or creating, excuse me, their own cryptocurrency. It's going to be called Fed coin. All right. And I guess by the United States government, I say the Federal Reserve itself. So what does that mean? That means that they would have to at some point ensure that their cryptocurrency is of a higher standard than all the others. Right. So maybe possibly build or stabilize its own value underneath others. Why would that work? Well, imagine if you lived somewhere where you could pay in a, inside of someone's government, you could pay using any currency you wanted, even a currency that you and your brother created last night. That would be mayhem, and they probably wouldn't allow that. If you don't believe me, you can also, in that same Google search, just type in China cryptocurrency. And what you'll find out is that China has banned cryptocurrencies, especially Bitcoin. Why is that? Because China is about to roll out their own cryptocurrency for their own country. Why would that be important? Again, um, imagine if you could create or just anyone could create their own currencies. The currency exchange would be kind of kind of wicky wacky because at the end of the day, 
what are you going to base the value of that currency off of? Are we taking it for your words? Is it because 100,000 people chose to buy into it? What's really the, the whole thing? At the basis, currencies are only as valuable as the masses believe that they are. We all know that fiat, the dollar, is worthless, but yet we work for the dollar. Um, so basically you're working for nothing or you're basically working for faith or belief of value in something that, that we all know has no value. It's pretty weird, but that's literally what we do in the United States. We know that the dollar is meaningless and yet we trade it for goods and services every day. And some people even kill people for it every day. So that puts a lot of things in perspective, right? So here's, here's the thing. Because the Fed is, is banning its own officials from accessing or being involved in these types of assets, that lets me know, or that's let all of us know, that the Federal Reserve itself is utilizing these assets in some form to stabilize what's going on in the market. Makes sense? It should, it's pretty straightforward. Volatility, that is what we're talking about right now, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so, you know, Investing Club and others like it are saying, listen, because of all the volatility right now in the stock market, and let's be honest, when has the stock market not been volatile? I think that was the whole point of 19, the 1930s, right? So uh, what they're saying is, hey, uh, we're going to take a long-term long approach and we are basically going to invest in the dip. And so just keep that in mind, the keyword there is dip, all right? Invest in the dip. And so as we go through some of these more segments, it's all gonna tie in, all right? Mardana, Mardana, <laughs> okay. Moderna and uh, Pfizer. So as you guys know, you, you know, both have their stocks that have basically even fallen. And what's happening here is as the media is portraying that COVID and the Omicron wave are subsiding, that there's basically what, what the market is telling us is that basically, hey, we don't need to deal with vaccines. Now, here's the scary part with this. If you believe that the investors for, let's say, Pfizer or Moderna are willing to forego all the billions of dollars, tens of millions, et cetera, et cetera, that they've invested into developing a quote unquote uh, on the fly vaccine, having to fight with the FDA to get it approved and, and into the streets. If you're believing that they are going to just take a loss for those billions of dollars that they haven't invested, you're wrong. Now, I don't know if if this will resurface this cal calendar year, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, the year prior or even five years or even a decade from now. But I do know this. The likelihood that a mass production of a drug for, for a pharmaceutical company to take basically a loss on purpose, that, that doesn't happen. All right. So I believe at some point, some way, they're going, they're going to either increase demand for what they already have, or they are actually going to find a way to make sure that the supply 
will be utilized again in the very future. So as an investor, this will tell you that e either now is a good time to get into those opportunities or to expect another wave of some, some form of COVID or some, some form of a variant, right? So that is it for our Moderna and Pfizer uh, segment. B, B, B. And so for our basketball fans, we are not talking about uh, the big baller brand. Nope. We're talking about Build Back Better, uh, the program in which, you know, the budget is kind of being back and forth and, you know, Congress, yada, yada. So for those of you who don't know, the Biden administration has uh, basically rolled out a plan to allocate $5 billion to states to fund electric vehicle chargers and charging stations. Um, over the next five years. This is part of the infrastructure package. Now, here's what's very interesting about this. Um, you know, the Tesla company or Elon Musk, they look at as pioneers when it comes to the EV um, and massively producing EVs, electrical vehicles. So what's gonna happen much like with other things is um, they chose to license their technology out to others. Now, in the, in the United States, when you create something, you're able to have a patent. And in many cases, that patent can only be uh, good for, let's say, 70 years or so forth. So once that patent is up, others are able to look at the invention, the process, and also find a way that they can maybe improve upon that invention. It's, it's the U.S.'s way of claiming that they're opening things up for free enterprise and also to make things better for society. Okay. So what does that mean? Um, I want you to look at, look at it this way. You know, Apple was not uh, the pioneer for creating a cell phone or for creating a, a computer. Um, but what they did is they took uh, data and processes from Intel and IBM, and they found a way to make it more desirable to the consumer, right? A better sleep, sleeper design, uh, more appealing, better marketing that touched the masses and made people want to purchase those products. So really, you know, Apple, yeah, it's a computer. It has an operating system, but it's not all that different from uh, other operating systems. This will be the same process for Tesla. See right now, what the gas industry has, the oil industry has, um, that the electric vehicle, uh, I'll call it a sphere does not have is we have gas stations, you know, give or take at every corner or within a certain radius of each other. So therefore a person can drive from one coast in the United States to the other, um, just in a vehicle, right? Because you have to stop at a gas station and you can get your, going your way. Well, imagine if you're doing the same thing, but using an electrical vehicle, you have to basically kind of go off of a gridded uh, way to get from one coast to the other based on charging stations. So therefore, the only thing that's holding that expansion back is just having more availability to charging stations, right? Outside of just your home to charge your vehicle. And as that takes place, you're, we're gonna have more competitors enter into the market, which should ultimately drive down prices, which should ultimately make the electrical vehicles more available. It should increase the supply, lower the, lower, lower the, the, the demand, make it more available to the masses. Now, this is good and this is bad at the same time because um, 
we want to just think in the future. So I'm not, I'm not going to get into the environmental causes and all that stuff. But here's what I will say. As an investor, this is an opportunity to either partner with developers. Um, this, is, this is an opportunity to partner with other people who maybe own land and to see exactly where uh, the path in which the government is going to place these electrical charging stations throughout the United States. This could become something fantastic where, um, where you know, so I'm not going to talk about other people's inventions, but I will say this. This is a great opportunity. Um, if you're ever, if you ever thought about getting into uh, the entire hybrid, electric, or uh, the EV models, you don't have to necessarily be the person that manufactures uh, the vehicles to benefit on this wave. You can actually make different accessories or things that complement this EV sphere to still be beneficial. And I think the best way, the best way to do that is to partner. The smallest way to, to do that would be to invest, you know, into, into a stock. A more creative way would be to invest into property that would host those uh, EV uh, charging stations, in which you're paid, you know, subsidy or rent um, or different benefits for the from the government. All right. So, with that being said, there's an opportunity here. If you guys have more questions, please let me know because um, there's someone who's very close to our company who actually uh, has a few things rolled out on his plan in which he is going to uh, get a nice, nice little chunk of the market and a new approach. So if you guys want to want to learn more about that, if you're interested, uh, please reach out and maybe what we'll do is we'll have him talk about his uh, his business plan so you guys can listen, listen and learn from that. So I hope, I hope that you are excited as I am, right? So this is our last uh, segment. And then after that, I'm going to tie all this together to show you what's actually going on in our, in our market, right? Now, keep in mind, please, that what we're talking about here is small business owners, all right? So Goldman Sachs uh, had a survey that was done. And here are the findings, all right? So in this survey, come to find out that, um, go figure, business owners are concerned about revenue based on COVID. Now we're talking about, you know, we're in 2022 right now, all right? So they, they took this poll and this is what business, business owners are saying that they're most concerned about. They're saying that they're just concerned about COVID. What's also interesting as well is, the, is that many business owners are still having an issue filling uh, or hiring uh, their spots, right? So in other words, if you're a business owner, uh, you're, let's say you're a coffee shop, looking for maybe barista and I don't know, someone to sweep the floors, and for some reason you can't find someone to sweep, right? So that's part of the issue with, with the income. But, but pay close attention to this, all right? Census Bureau is telling us that there has been an increase. I'll just go. Ahead, I'll tell it word, word for word, word for word. Nearly 5.4 million new business applications were filed in 2021, a new record according to figures from the Census Bureau. That's up from 4.3 million 
in 2020. Now you're probably asking yourself, well, Leland, what the heck is a business application? So all that means is that there were more people or more entities, really, that were filing to create new businesses, okay? They were filing to create new businesses. So when you couple everything that we've, we've already touched on and you find out that you have more business applications increasing, right? Because um, right now we're still in quarter one. So we'll find out exactly how, much, how many more were created in quarter one uh, as we get to the end of, of Q1 for 2022, but for the entire year of 2021, it was over 5.4 million. That's 5.4 million businesses that were literally created from people filing. So what does that tell us? That lets us know that many of these business owners are still anticipating something to happen COVID related. Remember earlier I mentioned um, that you're, this is probably probably not the last time that we're going to see COVID or some kind of variation of or variant of COVID, right? What this lets us know is that many business owners believe the same thing. Now, why is that? During the height of COVID, the United States government and other governments as well um, basically gave money to business owners or quote unquote business owners okay so some of those businesses weren't actually performing businesses but that's another another question or another topic for, for another day okay so this is letting us know that many business owners are still anticipating to see another roller coaster with covid now let's tie this all in if there's going to be another roller coaster when it comes to covid what should we do as business owners ourselves or really as investors we should invest on the dip okay so in other words you want to go ahead you want to go ahead and maybe liquidate assets or junk that you have and you want to keep that as dry powder so that when this dip takes place you can purchase the same assets or better assets at a discount in another episode i'll discuss what type of dip to expect. But as of right now, my suggestion to everyone who's listening is to keep dry powder handy. Hey, if you like the idea of gaining wealth, adding to your portfolio, and also protecting what you have, then I have a great treat for you. I'm going to give you a free guide and ebook that you can use that will show you to protect what you have. All you have to do is go to LelandBaptist.net forward slash 35. That's LelandBaptist.net forward slash 35. And protect what you have.